Town hall protests are popping up all over. They're being billed as the Tea Party of the left. But are they really? Monica Perez show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Every Saturday afternoon, usually 3 to 6. I'm ending a little early today, 3 to 5.30, for basketball. So that'll be a, a worthy sacrifice. And we're going to have to jam it all in. And I think we can do it. It's a very fast-paced show. You're always going to get everything. Uh, we always cover everything. Sometimes you have to go back and listen to the podcast because <laughs> we really it is really a fast-paced show. But uh, that's always available, actually. WSB puts it up. I put it up on uh my several websites. You can go to propagandareportdaily.com. That's a good place to get my podcast of the Monica Perez show on WSB. I also do a show with Binkley called the Propaganda Report. And this week I did a great show with uh, CJ and V at Rogue Money. Now, if you, if you, it's a totally different format and we went down rabbit holes i've never explored before so if you want to hear that binkley are you going to post that for people on our feed how can people get all our podcasts in one place go to propagandareportdaily.com and there's a little apple on the right side and go subscribe to us on itunes or on google play Awesome. Okay, so usually you'll get this podcast in a couple of days, and but there's lots of other stuff there, and uh, we do we get in a little more depth, but we're going to get into some depth today. There's a lot going on, even here in Atlanta, the Democratic National Committee, as we've been hearing in the news, on the news breaks, they are choosing their new leader, and they're for sure getting ready for the midterms, because it's a big, uh, it's basically well-known political fact that usually if a president, especially if he gets Congress and Senate, uh, they lose some seats in the midterm. So if a Republican wins the presidency two years later when all the congressmen are up for re-election and a third of the senators, they more Democrats will win than Republicans. That's just how it works, or that at least they lose seats. So some Republican-held seats will be lost to Democrats. That's just how it works. But that can have a greater or a lesser effect. So in 2010, right after Obama, there was a – it was like a massacre. <laughs> so the the Republicans, depending on how you measure it, it was the greatest gain of seats since 1938 in a midterm election, 1948 overall – Just so many seats were lost to the Republicans, and the Tea Party was widely credited for that. So the Tea Party was was a movement that emerged. Nancy Pelosi, I think, actually coined the term AstroTurf to describe the Tea Party, not coined the term AstroTurf, but applied it as a political term to the Tea Party, saying this isn't the grassroots, this is from above. But my experience with the Tea Party, my mother actually was a first mover in the Tea Party. And I, although I was have always been a Ron Paul-style libertarian, I marched shoulder to shoulder with the Tea Party every time they went to Washington to march against Obamacare. And my, my impression was always that it was actually very grassroots, very spontaneous. I just posted on my Twitter feed at Monica Perez Show the birth of the Tea Party. Rick Santelli on CNBC had a, a, an epic rant going. You could actually probably coin that phrase, epic rant, to describe what this guy just did. 
and he he invited people to a an orga, a, a meeting that he was hosting in Chicago that he called the Tea Party. And I believe that's when it was born, and it looked very grassroots. Okay, that was a guy who was in media, put the word out, but it seemed very spontaneous. Weirdly, Wilbur Ross was in the background in the studio at CNBC. Santelli was on the floor, trading floor. Wilbur Ross is the big Rothschild guy. He bailed Trump out on the casinos. He's going to be the Commerce Secretary. So you would think there's some establishment stuff going on there, but he was clearly, in my view, a bystander. I recommend watching that video but the and i and i know when i was there i remember dick army who who was behind freedom works which was a tea party entity ultimately said don't don't get a leader it was like in the bible like the people want a king don't get a king don't get a leader don't acknowledge a leader don't say there's a leader don't let anybody take it over like the first rule of tea party is there's no leader of tea party so I struggled for a while to figure if he was leading it and just didn't want people to know. I think it wasn't like that. And when I saw how it emerged, now later, there was what my mom describes as a schism. <laughs> so it was the taxed enough already, folks, the original Tea Partiers. All they cared about ta- was taxing, which, by the way, is spending. You can't have spending and deficits and not call that taxes because ultimately that's taxes on future generations, by the way, who are not represented by these governments. It's taxation without representation, but it is taxation. So after a while, there was a bit of a schism where part of the Tea Party broke off and became kind of more mainstream Republican, folding in a kind of hawkish stance on foreign policy and that kind of thing. But some of the guys who rode the wave of that, Rubio, Cruz, Christie, Sarah Palin, they did ultimately kind of just assume, I think, took on the mantle of that hawkish stance, kind of carving out defense spending from scrutiny as uh, uh, under the taxation thing. So there, it definitely got co-opted. People used it for political purposes. But in, in my view, it did not start out that way. But these town hall protests are, uh, it's almost like I think they protest too much. Methinks that does protest too much, that they're talking about these protests as being grassroots, just like the Tea Party. Yet if you scratch the surface, you can see that they that's that's very deliberate and it does seem rather organized. A lot of the entities behind it are coordinated. There was one called IndivisibleGuide.com Indivisible where they actually cite, we are using the Tea Party as a model. These are the fa- elements of the Tea Party that we want to duplicate. Um, we are a grassroots organization, even though we're an, a group of congressional aides. I mean, it really couldn't be more connected than that. So there is a lot of that. I know, Binkley, when we did a propaganda report not too long ago, or actually when it first started emerging, you identified this group, Indivisible.com, as, be- as being organized, as being a Tea Party entity, and, and you actually predicted what they would do. Yeah, I, I saw this uh, somewhere online a long time ago, and for a couple of months I've been following their their movement. It uh, seems very astroturf to me as well. Yeah, and, and but what I thought was weird was I both Rachel Maddow and the Wall Street Journal, two opposite extremes of the spectrum, I would say, are bending over backwards to paint it as grassroots. I was shocked in yesterday's Wall Street Journal, a cover of the journal, front page of the journal. This is a huge... Uh, headline and a sub headline 
rookies up in town halls. Rowdy meetings, more organic than organized, <laughs> appear driven by political newcomers. I mean, that's what I say. We, I think they protest too much. That was the headline, not town halls upset legislators. It says they're rookies. I mean, seriously, rookies, organic, and newcomers are all words in the heading headline uh, in the journal who you would think would be really working to expose how um, how deliberate – it is that they're modeling themselves after the Tea Party, but probably aren't. Yeah, they're not interested in exposing, I guess. They want to disrupt, cause chaos. Yeah, well, I, I have, I, I'm going to peel the onion on this a little bit. At the bottom of the hour, I'm going to tell you what I think, if maybe there is a reason why this could be playing into the hands of the GOP. I want to get to that. I want to get some calls, read some tweets. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. What do you think about these town hall meetings? Do you think they're going to be effective? <clears throat> do you think they're organic? Uh, you know, what's your read? What do they really want? You know, who are they and what do they want? Because that's not clearly defined either. So also you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Do we have, I think we have time for some tweets. Binkley, what you got for me? Yeah, resist me, resist we much says I'd check for proof at the door that they live in the district. Otherwise, they wait outside until all the constituents are let in. Yes, I actually saw in this journal article, one of the legislators did that. And it said that in the background that they, that it, what really ended up happening was there were just huge protests outside that it, they, <laughs> that it really was mostly people from outside the constituency. Whereas when you read so this indivisible guide, which is like 27 pages, talks about how this infamous leaked town hall memo from the Tea Party <laughs> was their inspiration. That was a three pager that said uh, that actually referred to Saul Alinsky, who wrote Rules for Radicals. They were they were using their playbook was from the left. Yeah. And they and they said to make sure to keep it local, that you actually go to your own guy, because that's what they care about. So you get another tweet for me? Yeah. Egg Salad says that I believe the recent demonstrations in the town hall protest are all coming from the same place. Move on in similar groups. There is some you know I couldn't find on the indivisible guide itself they there was no tab that says about us or funding it's simply like a pdf document that you download kind of like soros's uh revolutionary guides that tell people doing color revolutions in eastern europe like how to dress like how to wear a hoodie how to you know so it's just exactly like that really smacks of soros smacks of organization and uh, certainly is created by establishment guys, so I wouldn't be surprised. I haven't found the smoking gun on that particular organization, but uh, they their move on and other big establishment source type things are clearly affiliated, and they are just saying we're trying to organize this loose collection of people who we happen to stumble upon on Facebook. I'm not buying it, but there but there is more to the story, not just who they are and where they come from, but what they want and where they're headed. So I want to talk about that and take some of your calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. 59 degrees outside the studio and 8 on the Mellish meter. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. Talking about the town hall protests that are being called the Tea Party of the Left, I'm not so sure. 
404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK are our numbers. I'm going to Mary in Atlanta. Hi, Mary. You're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. I just wanted to let you know that I'm a registered Republican. I uh, voted for Johnny Isaacson. I did not vote for Donald Trump. I'm not a fan of a lot of his policies. Um, I am a first-time protester. Um, most of the people that I communicate with, we have never spoken politics before. We were never part of a movement before. Um, and we have a secret Facebook group amongst ourselves. Um, and that's about as grassroots as it gets. Um, and I would say most of my friends that feel my same way are not career politicians or get any, you know, information from that. Are you and getting the guidebook? Paying attention for the first time. I'm are sorry? you using guidance? I'm not saying that you're not uh, right. authentic grassroots, but are you using their resources? Well, I mean, everyone's looked at them. Obviously, right. the Tea Party is was very effective in right. what they did. Um, but I don't think anybody looked at it before they were upset and said, wait a second, we need to figure out a way to make people hear us like here's, they did. Here's my um, fear, you know? is yeah. that these it, once they plug everybody in, and I would say they on the left or the right, like I have saw it happen with the Tea Party. Once they plug everybody in, it's very easy to lead them to policies that didn't make sense, like the war hawk stuff that half of the Tea Party ended up parroting to me was not authentic tea party it wasn't relevant to the tea party but because the organization was like modular just plugged into this like central brain eventually it was easy to 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 use it that's what i worry about i agree with that and even when you look at cpac today versus what it was a year ago it's amazing the difference and just what a group can do when they're forced with different ideas. Yeah, well, um, I was just reading several different places about, and Binkley turned me on to some of this, about the power of the crowd and how it really changes people, their behavior, their principles. Very interesting stuff. Let's peel the onion on what might really be going on, where this might really be headed. After the break, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, at Monica Perez Show. And now for something completely different. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. We are talking about the town hall protests. The, they're called the Tea Party of the Left. I'm not sure that it is, uh, but I had a great call before the break from Mary, who is a first-time protester. She said she was a Republican voter but did not vote for Trump. And, of course, she's looked at the materials that are online. The Tea Party was effective. They had materials. These guys have materials. And I think it's important to acknowledge that people are upset. And my one of the things I think about um, – that I've noticed is in, in this document, indivisibleguide.com, in the document, it says that the uh, Tea Party is its model and that because of the Tea Party, Trump got elected. But Trump is not a Tea Partier. He has absolutely no, I mean, his plans to spend big, like on infrastructure, even if he does want to cut taxes. It's the spending that are the taxes. So you can't – the Tea Party is taxed enough already. It's, it, but the movement, the anti-Obama 
uh, impulse that did not succeed in 2012, these guys are saying is responsible for Trump. But then you have somebody like Mary who might have sympathized with the Tea Party but didn't like Trump because that political energy got directed and funneled by people who are very good at directing political energy. So I think it's important to know where they're headed, what it's all about. Now, it might be too early to know that. I have my own speculation. I know these guys at the DNC, which is here in Atlanta, they just elected Tom Perez as the chairman and Keith Ellison as the deputy, that they they have their sights set on the midterm elections, I'm sure. I mean, I haven't heard them say that. I'm not listening to it around the clock, but I, I'm sure that's their first rule of order is to get Democrats um, back into the majority in D.C. So... What does that mean? How are they going to do it? And how are these protests feeding into that? I want to talk about that a little bit. And I want to tell you what I think it might really be going on. And Joey, I think caller Joey is going to help me with that. But if you want to call 404-872-0750, if that's full, try 800-WSB-TALK or tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Before I go to Joey, do you have a tweet for me, Binkley? Yeah, Ivanka's stuff tweets it sure seems more organic than the tea party but either way who cares it's effective yes but effective for what to rile people up you know what i mean like i want to understand better what effective is and why if everybody's on the same page mary who's a republican cannot be on the same page as the people in the pink hats like exactly it's unlikely so where is it headed i think we want to uh peel that onion throughout the show Joey, I am going to you. Joey in Dallas, uh, you're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. So I'm trying to understand the same as you. I I don't really realize, other than the mainstream media who want to undermine the Trump administration, why we give credence to these town hall protesters, other than the fact that they're they're out there. This is not their candidate they voted for. The difference in them and the Tea Party is the Tea Party, we focused more on our own candidates and getting the people we wanted elected. We didn't focus as much on the opposition. And holding their your ide- own candidates responsible. Exactly. Their ideas were defeated, yeah. yet they're out here yelling. At you. I don't understand why the Jason Chavitz and Tom Cotton don't answer them just, just like Trump would anyone else when they speak up. What do you think of Betsy DeVoe? Hey, I like her. I think she's great. She's what, about, what about Trump's tax returns? Hey, it doesn't matter to me. It's, it's not a law. And, and move on and, and stop given so much time yeah, to these I, I think Joey, I think topical. you're onto something and I actually think it might be I, I mean this this might be too cynical, but they do seem to be I mean one guy who met protesters had a second town hall meeting in the same week. I was like, why would you do that? Another right. guy didn't allow people in who weren't his constituents. That makes sense. And then the protesters were just stuck outside and couldn't disrupt his meeting. Absolutely. So that makes sense. But here's the thing. They they are getting a lot of coverage. And here the Wall Street Journal is deliberately. Now, I don't I'm not Mary who called earlier and a lot. And the protesters are regular people for sure. Like, I don't even need to think that they're paid. I don't think that's it at all. I think they're triggered. I think they're, um, you know, the people who just show up and an instant to protest uh, are have been kind of conditioned to do that. But. Outlets like the Wall Street Journal are giving them cover, saying, I mean, the entire article was about how authentic it is. And, and, my, it, and it appears to me that the same people that tried to get Hillary elected in, in these same sort of protests that didn't work. So, I, yeah, but I'm wondering, I, I'm wondering if there, if the GOP, this is a dark thought, but if the <laughs> GOP, the number one thing these guys are talking about, these protesters, 
are that they don't want Obamacare repealed. And I secretly believe, or I believe that secretly, the GOP uh, might not either. They've had opportunities to repeal it. It is a Republican idea. It's it's about getting, you know, it started at the Heritage Foundation. It's just, to me, I wonder if there's been a lot of noise I can explore. I can tell you the reasons why I think that. But, do you, Joe, do you think there's any chance of that? I think it's definitely possible. And if you look at what Boehner uh, said earlier this week, exactly. he spoke yeah. out and said, you know, it wasn't going to happen. So, Right. John Boehner, who was leading the charge, supposedly, in trying to get repeal and replace. And P.S., I would like to just X out replace. Like what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Since when do and we need federal health care? be honest. He, yeah. he can speak honestly now, you know, as opposed to the, the ones that are up there. So, right. And he, he, said, something. he said recently that, like just the other day, that it's not going to happen. You might tweak it, but you're not repealing and replacing. That's one item that makes me think that. Then uh, a couple of other things, like in the day, they could have stopped it twice. One, when Cruz, who I now think was kind of playing a role, but he his like fake filibuster thing about the procedure, the process that could have stopped it in its tracks, that would have worked, and the Republicans were the ones who stopped him. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. And then the yep. other thing was when John Roberts, a Republican appointee in the Supreme Court, deemed it a tax, that invalidated it on constitutional grounds at that moment because it was uh, right. it was originated in the Senate, and taxes have to be originated in Congress. So why didn't they pursue that tooth and nail? Well, I think it'll definitely make or break Trump's second term. If, if they don't repeal and replace it completely, there's no way I think he'll he'll get in there, and I think it'll take out Paul Ryan as well, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And I knew, you know, I felt the same way about Obama. I thought when they cram Obamacare down our throats and the Tea Party was going crazy in 2010, I thought there was no way he's going to get reelected in 2012, and I felt that the reason Clinton, Bill Clinton, got a second term was that he would not fall on his sword for Hillary care. And uh, Obama did, and I feel like, I mean, they just promised him he would get his second term, or those were his marching orders, if you think of him as a true puppet. But regardless, they, you know, I've actually scratched my head when I try to figure out the ways these guys maneuver. But I have never really thought, the GOP wanted, uh, you know, a free market in health care. And the way Obamacare is structured, socialists want public goods, which they call public goods. As a libertarian, I don't even believe there is such a thing. I want private roads. And there were private roads before the Civil War, mostly private roads. But the um, they want public goods to be provided by the government so cronies can't profit from money. Um that's laid out by the government. Fascism is when the corporations get the money that's mandated by the government. And either way, I'm against it. I don't want repeal and replace. I don't want Obamacare. I want a free market in health care. It will bring the cost down uh, of health care. It is, does not exceed the limits of government. The Tenth Amendment clearly puts health care in the, in the, if it's a government function at all within the realm of the states. I do want to talk about, uh, at the top of the hour, some... Uh, confusion over the Tenth Amendment that I'm getting out of the administration. Some mixed messages. Sometimes they like it, sometimes they don't. I love the Tenth Amendment, so I want to talk about that a little bit. But I want to get to more of your calls. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty one eight hundred WSB Talk. Uh, Mike and Sonoya. Hi, Mike. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. <laughs> you threw up a of all talking about John Boehner. The only thing I'm going to say about John Boehner: John Boehner is an idiot. <laughs> 
He's also a closet Democrat, so anything he says, I think... Yeah, he's a big government guy. I don't... I doubt he's an idiot because they... You know, it's it's hard it's hard to take to be bested by an idiot, but <laughs> clever. I think he's probably clever, clever Democrat. <laughs> you know what I'm but anyway, the point I was trying—I was telling you, call screener. Uh, I started watching these protests on TV, or uh, with at the town hall meetings. Yeah. And as I told you, call screener, I'm conservative, and I voted for uh, for Donald Trump. I support Donald Trump. I don't care what you know what Donald Trump says, as long as he's does the things they said he was going to do, re- repeal and replace, or as you say, uh, put the uh, health care system back in the free market uh, yeah. area, uh, build a wall. You know, I don't have a problem with immigration as long as it's legal. Well, and then again, I have a problem with immigration if, if I'm having to pay to support these people, you know. But, yeah, there uh, are a lot of issues. As a libertarian, I, I believe in free markets of everything, but in this highly... Uh, regulated state that has welfare that has all, all these goodies that have actual um private organizations that are designed to get refugees food stamps and that kind of thing i'm not for it i think uh, i i don't i think the immigration question i really feel like if we didn't have such screwed up labor laws and such weird policies about subsidizing education and if we didn't have uh, this strange corporate tax system. If you just had a free market, you would have an overwhelming amount of business right. and jobs, and you would have the jobs match the people if you didn't indiscriminately subsidize education. Anyway, sorry. I, it's just I can't. The immigration thing is so complex, and oh, I don't I, think a wall is going to solve it. But go ahead, Mike. Finish up. Oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> Take it away. You're really, you're really getting me off. Oh, let me just run this by you. Uh, you know, uh, everybody talks about we want immigrants to assimilate, we want them to become Americans, right? They had the uh, the woman in uh, New York, I think it was, who, t- who uh, took refuge in a church. She'd been here for 20 years, had two or three kids. She could not speak a word of English. And I, I really had a problem with that. That's not assimilating. But, I will uh, respond to that. I've got to take a break. Um I will respond to that after the break, Mike. Thank you very much. 404-872-0750, 800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. 63 is the high today. 33 is the low overnight. That's cold. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. Just before the break, I had a call uh, about a story caller read about a woman who was looking for sanctuary after being in this country for 20 years and still she could not speak English. So uh, she's not integrating if she's not um, assimilating. You know, that's that's part of the problem. She's the problem. And I just wanted to make an observation about assimilation. If you here's why the welfare state is at odds with immigration. If you have if you insulate people, and actually legal immigrants are more uh, prone to this, like in Europe, than illegal immigrants. But if you're, although the illegal immigrants have a sub uh, culture where they can work off the books, but if you if you are insulated from having to function economically in the mainstream, like by welfare, so when they have these like inter like multi generational immigrant communities in Europe where they ne- like the children of the people who were born in the country don't speak the country's language it's because the economics of it the politics of it the policies 
insulate people from having to assimilate. In a in a libertarian society, you would sink or swim. You would have to assimilate, and if not you, at least your children would. And that is how uh, how it works. And the supply and demand of labor kind of controls how many people come in and out. We have the safety net of the of Americans who will not work below a certain dollar level, and that creates this huge labor shortage. At the same time, there's unemployment. So if you pull away that stuff, you you have an organic level of immigration. That's not a problem. That's why to tighten the screws, build a wall, all that, I don't think that's ever going to work. I don't think it's going to solve the problem. I think only liberty solves this problem. I really want to get to a call. I want to talk to Susan. Susan, you're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. I just wanted to tell you my experience at a town hall meeting for Tom Price Back in the run-up to Obamacare, or maybe actually after it was passed, my husband and I had been to several of Tom Price's town hall meetings, which were rather quiet affairs, um, retired people, uh, small business owner people. But then all of a sudden, Tom was going to present his alternative plan to Obamacare, and we went to that meeting, and while we were waiting for it to start, all of a sudden, a whole big group of people came in with signs and talking and making noise, which was totally unlike the normal town hall meetings that we were used to. And when Tom took questions, these people ran up. They wouldn't state their name. They wouldn't state their address, whereas all the constituents would do that when they had a comment or a question. Well, it sounds like the uh, counter the fight fire with fire thing, which is being promoted on the right against these town hall protesters. Of course, what else are they going to do? But it's that distraction that's the real goal of these protests. It's not to promote anything. It's just to stop everything down, to make no progress, to to destroy, disrupt. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about the Tenth Amendment at the top of the hour and take more of your calls. 800 WSB Talk. This is Monica Perez. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Saturday afternoons, usually 3 to 6. Today is 3 to 5.30 because we are going to make room for basketball, but we are going to get it all in. And if you missed the first hour or you can't listen to the whole show, I always post the podcast, courtesy of WSB, which I appreciate, usually Monday or Tuesday. But Binkley, my producer here, helps me put that up as well as other stuff that we do, additional podcasts that you're not going to hear on the air. How can people get to that, Binkley? They can go to PropagandaReportDaily.com, and there's an apple on the right. And click on that apple, subscribe on iTunes, or subscribe on Google Play. That's awesome. And the next podcast I put up is not going to be of this show or even the show we do, which is called Propaganda Report, but it's a show I did as a guest on Rogue Money, and it was really a fun and interesting, totally outside my comfort zone kind of uh, interview. So if you want to know a little bit more about how I think about maybe metaphysical issues, then uh, feel free to listen to that, which is also going to be on PropagandaReportDaily.com. Uh, over the next day or two. So what we are talking about right now, though, is that there have been town hall protests. They're calling it the Tea Party of the left. 
Uh, we can quibble about whether it comes up from the bottom or down from the top. I don't know. But one of their main goals, or like they only seem to have two stated goals, which is to, besides disrupt, is to stop the repeal of Obamacare and to have an investigation, not into the election per se, but into Russian interference into the election. And that's a flag for me because I've seen a statistical analysis of like the polls and exit polls and how, you know, maybe there were some anomalies in the voting, whether it was um, about Hillary or about Trump. I don't know. But unless they're actually calling for a real uh, overall um, investigation into the election, just looking into the Russian part, you know, that kind of seems weird. But the Obamacare thing, what frustrates me is I, I feel like they might be playing into the GOP's hands because I've never really thought that the GOP wanted to rep- wanted to really restore freedom to the healthcare market. And and a big tell on that is they want to repeal and replace Obamacare. Replacing Obamacare with a federal uh, rule law on healthcare is a violation of the 10th Amendment. It's been adjudicated many times or at least uh, dispositively as they say. It's like a crystal clear the 10th Amendment reserves what they call the police powers to the state. That's health welfare, education, everything. So Obamacare is a violation of the 10th Amendment straight up. And the GOP does not want to admit that. They also came out saying we are batting back the transgender bathroom issue that Obama uh, ruled on, basically, from his perch as former king, because we think it's it's a state's rights issue. And that does fall into health, safety, all that regulation. That should all be states' rights stuff. Yet, at the same time, Sean Spicer, the press secretary, suggested that that Trump and Jeff Sessions would uh, probably increase enforcement against recreational marijuana laws, even in states that passed laws allowing it. Now, I don't know how that will turn out. I, at the same time, I saw that they rescinded Obama's mandate to return prisons to the public domain to get rid of private prisons, which as a libertarian, I like private everything, but the private prison system actually knew somebody inside that, uh, the business of that, who said that bribing judges and legislators and lobbying them to extend prison sentencing, to extend mandatory sentencing, to make um, nonviolent crimes um, incarceratable, if that's a word, was part of their business, and to me, that's just, uh, you know, it's the a, a level of immorality I can't stomach at all. So I don't like that incentive. Anything where the government is mandating the revenue, anything like healthcare or prisons or anything where the government demands that you spend money, but a private organization is the one that gets the money, to me, that sets up a level of incentive in the private sector to keep bad laws in place, to keep money wasted uh, for cronyism. It's just it's what they call a moral hazard. It's it's tempting bad action. I do not like it. But I'm I'm going to keep my eyes open on this administration. My my new catchphrase is to return always to the principles. And I do. Uh, I feel like the Tenth Amendment is is the most important thing to me. These protesters should be embracing the Tenth Amendment instead of looking for a coup or wanting to have like some kind of world governance to control our president. They should light. They should want their states to have control again. But that doesn't work on the left because if you're going to have real socialism, 
like East Berlin, you have to have a wall to keep people in. Otherwise, your productive members of society flee. So you can't push down to local levels of government. You have to always have bigger. That's why communism is international and fascism is national because fascism captures, you know, there's room for people in the private sector to capture some of that largesse, some of that cronyism. But with socialism, you can never push down. The Tenth Amendment is the enemy of socialism and that's one of the reasons i love it so do we have any any uh tweets or anything binkley any anything you want to read yeah proud truther says that they're afraid of the pitchforks louis gomert evoked arizona republican or rep gabby gifford to cancel town halls as arizona rolls out sb 1142 sb 1142 yeah it's a bill that will threaten to take away the house of people who help plan protests that turn uh, violent Yes, I did see a few places, North Dakota, Michigan, Virginia, I think. Um, I saw that of Arizona was starting to. I think none of them have actually passed, but it's a very bad precedent. And if you're on the right, like a GOP or whatever, you don't want to allow that stuff because when the the pendulum's going to swing back, the Democratic Party is not dead. <laughs> you don't want that. And they're also, I think, investigating people. They're arresting people and then um, – cataloging their Facebook posts and stuff like that. Like they're using the surveillance state to pigeonhole protesters. I actually think that's what cop cameras are really for. The facial recognition, if they just go to a protest, they can look at the people with their cameras and get data on, you know, put you in a basket. (laughs) So I think that's what that is. Uh, Anything else? Yeah. Marty says in reference to the, the protest that, uh, not buying it. I was there in February of 2009 at the first Tea Party, and no one told us what to do. It was a, it was a visceral response. Yes, I, I that was my feeling as well. Um, I, I did not feel like the Tea Party was astroturf. I think they were scared. They were running scared. I think it got co-opted later, but I agree with that. Okay, um, I'm going to take some calls. I'm going to go to David and Chambly. Hi, David. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Um, yeah, I was um, – thinking that, you know, when the Tea Party protests happened, it came out of the blue. And the problem that the left has here is that they're not focused because protesting, the only thing, you know, it's supposed to be like the last resort. And the only thing it really does is to draw attention. And since they haven't been focused in in what they're trying to draw attention to, it just draws attention to the fact that people are unhappy and protesting. But it doesn't draw attention to their – like in the Tea Party, it was about specifically Obamacare. Now, I realize they've kind of figured this out and started to make it about Obamacare, but it's a little late because they've already had the Women's March and the Immigrants March and the, all these other things going on. So it's, uh, it's more muddled and confused. So it made me think um, – now, this isn't really what I believe, but what if the Russians were behind both – They on the one hand, they hacked into the DNC and let that out to sway the election. And then on the other hand, they're behind the protests because their plot is if the uh, the people that wanted Trump to win can't say that the Russians were behind the election because that's like, you know, that goes against their thing. And then the people behind the protests couldn't admit that the Russians were behind the protests because they're saying that the Russians were behind Trump. So it's kind of like a perfect situation for the Russians because if they wanted to turn Trump into an all-powerful person because on the one hand they get him elected and then they cause all this resistance 
allowing him to pass laws to crack down on protests. And, well, that's, you know, cause that's a- true. I don't buy into the Russian thing. I think that's a, a red herring. I don't I don't believe it. I think that is diverting these people from maybe there was some funny business in the election. I do not think it has to do with the, the Russians. But um, but something you said earlier was interesting about it, it really was about Obamacare and uh, this document, indivisibleguide.com, that document says that the Tea Party wasn't about any policy. It was simply about stopping Obama from doing anything he wanted to do, which was not true. I mean, I saw the, the Tea Party started. I just tweeted out a video of uh, Rick Santelli kind of launching the Tea Party about TARP. It was about the bailouts. It was about paying for people's mortgages um, who were profligate in their spending. And then, but I remember it as really taking off that people were desperate. Americans never wanted socialized medicine. It has been a something the left has been trying for for decades and decades and decades We've never wanted it, and that is what people got off the couch. That's what got me off the couch. I was on the thousand-year plan. I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I don't. I think this government has gone beyond salvation. It's a pathocracy. But I could, you know, opposite of what we want, against our interests. But I could not sit by and and subject my children to the horrible consequences of truly socialized medicine when. You know, that's their lives. I, I had to get off the couch. So I think that it was about that, and I think they're depicting us wrong. But I think this is about disruption. It's not really about policy. I, uh, I've got lots more calls. four four eight seven two zero seven fifty. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Um, be right back. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 57 and sunny outside the studio. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. We are talking about the town hall protests. And are they really like the Tea Party? What are they all about? Where are they going to head? I'm going to take your calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Going to Mike and coming. Hi, Mike. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. I was listening to the radio the other night about one of the pro, uh, Obamacare protests that were for it, and a woman got up there and said before Obamacare she paid $400 a month for a premium, but now she pays a dollar. <laughs> well, if that is true, who does she think is paying for that? Right. I am. And, and, and I know that it's probably a lie because of the fact that before Obamacare, my wife who was, is above 55 years old, I paid $250 a month for a really nice uh, policy. Now I've got a $14,000 deductible. That's not insurance. The deductibles are ridiculous, and, and they fold so many things. You just If you're going to have a deductible like that, then what you want is like almost free insurance, just catastrophic care. They Which, should pick me up in a limo. You can't even have it. This. But here's the just I want to say two things about that. One is that to me, first of all, it's regressive. This is, these are the two things. It's regressive. So the, the people who pay less now than they did before, it was like older people who have more money are paying less for more insurance. And younger people who have no money you know, the wealth gap is is oftentimes an age gap who don't need insurance. They know they don't need insurance. They didn't get insurance. Now they're paying the, the $399. Well, 
I'm middle class self-employed. I make enough money that I'm right over the threshold for getting the decent uh, subsidy from Obamacare. Oh, yeah. It's always the way. Yeah. And the problem is, even if, if you get an Obamacare uh, health plan, you can call your doctor. They don't take it. They don't take it. They don't take it. Everyone you call is the same thing. And yeah. uh, I had my cardiologist just tell me up front. If you got it off the Obamacare website, we don't take it. Wow. Well, that, I mean, that's got to change. That is not sustainable. But I have to say, I always go back to the fundamentals. Like somebody says something like that, it upsets me because it's like you introduced the call with, who's paying for that? Somebody else. And for me, that's a fundamentally immoral position. And yet uh, many people come out, uh, like a morally righteous over it. They're, they're self-righteous about it. And I just can't get my mind around that. If, if, they, if it is charity that you need, I would say you have to say, please. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but that's the difference between individualism and collectivism. I don't believe uh, that the collective can take from the individual. And it always comes down to the principle, which is why I don't want to repeal and replace. I just want to repeal it. 800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Look, just put your little hand back in the cash register and give me my $2.75 back, please, Brad. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I actually had to stop calling Binkley Brad because of that drop, which I think is so funny. It's from <laughs> Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It, like, defines my youth, I guess. I don't know. I couldn't really relate to it, but it's uh, iconic, and I just think it's hilarious. So, Binkley. Yes. I am, uh, so we're talking about these town hall protests, and you were really on top of this uh, from the start, because you really key into, see, I cannot tolerate watching, I can barely tolerate watching news from the right, but I can, I really cannot tolerate watching news from the left. So I can't, I can't keep up. I, it's like half of my, you know, I have blinders on and I'm not alone. In the world. Like I'm not even, I'm a libertarian. I'm not even a Republican. And I can't, I can't always watch both sides. I'm sure people who are uh, uh, down the party line can't stand it either. So we're not always uh, abreast of all these uh, new developments, but you are. It's like putting cigarettes out on your arm. It burns bad really first, but pretty soon you don't feel anything. Uh, you know, <laughs> I have actually experienced that. <laughs> but I have a, I used to be a smoker, and you get you get burned. I, I wouldn't say I put it out on my arm. <laughs> but um, so I don't recommend that. I don't recommend numbing yourself <laughs> to the horrors of left-wing <laughs> news but you can keep us from having to watch it ourselves by keeping us apprised of what's going on. So you were way ahead of this indivisible thing. You want to give us one? I want to get to calls. I've got Steve and Alan. Hold on a sec. Um, and I want to get to tweets at Monica Perez show. But can you give us like one little nugget of like the significance of this or where you think it's going or maybe, you know, what you're watching out for? I think that it's globalists on the left who are manipulating all of these people just to increase their own political power. And I think they're just going to try to continue the chaos. It's divide and conquer. 
Yeah, I I sent you a couple of articles that said use the exact same word, which was Trump is the Ipecac syrup of the globalists or something. I don't know what. Where Ipecac is, if you have kids, you'll know. Yeah, if they swallow poison, you have to give them Ipecac because it makes them throw up. So <laughs> if so if like we have speculated. That, you know, before Trump was elected, the march towards globalism was crystal clear and nothing was going to stop it, in my opinion. I couldn't see any possibility because we tried so hard to stop Obamacare, which was the last straw. And we couldn't, even though we had the majority on our side, we were totally activated. We just couldn't. I mean, that's when I started not believing in elections or any of that. And now, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Trump, with like no money and treated totally differently by the media from like how Ron Paul was treated. So he was like virtually empowered by the media, even though they acted like they weren't, they were. So the, the question is, was it really a death blow to the globalists or at least, you know, a a tough shot or is it playing into their hands? Because what will happen is all the people like in Europe, their elections coming up, are they so terrified? They're they're t- from birth. It's just drilled into their heads. Nazis, Nazis, Nazis. Like they're bad. The reason we need communism is because otherwise we'll get Nazis. <laughs> so if they were getting sick of it, and now all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh! As soon as we lost the hold of communism, you know, or globalism, because communism is international, fascism is national. As soon as you lose hold of that communist internationalism, uh, the the fascist nationalists take over, and maybe they will just like vomit that out. And then you'll see this resurgence in support and strength for the European Union coming up. I mean, that is possible. So anyway, that I do think that what your read on this might uh, might bear out. How are you going to can you keep us? Uh, you've done like man on street stuff. You think you can do some man on street stuff in some of these protests coming up? Or you think they'll they'll out you because of the mic? Well, <laughs> you've got to get a hidden mic. As I think you should use the same techniques they recommend in the indivisible guide. So get a hidden mic and camera and perhaps I'll dress like a woman and oh be, be a tranny because they will accept me on without question. I secretly think Julian Assange go out goes out at night dressed as a woman out of the. Oh yeah, story. yeah. Because I've seen him. I've seen pictures of him in drag, and he looks like a totally different person. Beautiful. Um, yes, actually. Uh, but the this uh, James O'Keefe does that. He's had some great stuff. Project Veritas. He just came out with all these hours and hours and hours of CNN hidden audio, and I was all excited because I want to hear because there's all this rumors that that Zucker put the word down from the top that give Trump lots of airtime. So I really wanted to hear that raw footage, put all this supposedly raw footage up that he hasn't listened to yet. Not believe. Yeah. <laughs> but then I noticed it was from 2009. <laughs> it was from 2009. Like you couldn't, that is as far back as you could possibly go to have absolutely no relevant data. Like any, you know? yeah. that's the cutoff point. So that is a disappointment. Maybe you'll have to get out there and get us something. That's, I'll do my best. Yeah, do it. All right, so let's get to some calls. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to Alan in Atlanta. Hi, Alan. You're on with Monica. Hi there. How you um, doing? My opinion of this is most of these people who are uh, getting the dollar insurance program are probably people who are generational recipients of government um, handouts. I mean, I actually know people who are third-generation 
government handout people. Their family has been on government handout for three generations. They make a science of it. I mean, my mother always said, like, you can make sure, like, the guy who called, he was saying he's just, just above the threshold of not being eligible for the subsidies, which a normal, like, moral person wouldn't want the subsidies, but when they take every last extra penny you have and in taxes you kind of have to they really it's like the sign of the beast like you have to participate in this awful immoral system however if you don't if you don't think like that you don't realize that you really have to work it to make sure that you maximize what you get and a lot of that is minimizing how much you work or get you know signing up for a certain number of classes or whatever and honestly i think the democratic party should come up with a gang tattoo because, honestly, they're acting like a gang, uh, <laughs> one of the rogue gangs. And, honestly, you know, put the mule on the arm. That way we'll know you're, you're a member of the The pink hat Democratic doesn't do gang. it for you, Alan? Hmm? You don't think the pink hat? Have you seen the pink hat? No, I'm, make it permanent. Get a, something on your skin so, you know, you know who you are. This hat oh, the mark of the daily. beast, bro. <laughs> now we're really getting <laughs> we're getting all biblical. <laughs> we need to pull and, out uh, of that. That's out, that's I out really of the way. I love your show. I just wish they'd give you one time to... I missed the first half uh, hour because I forgot you were going to be on at 3 o'clock today, but I really oh, do Alan, love your show. You should Thank you so much. And I love that. I know you disagree with me half the time, and that's I absolutely oh, love. Course. I love it when you call. <laughs> but uh, you can always catch the podcast. Go to Propaganda Daily, PropagandaReportDaily.com or MonicaPerezShow.com, and you can always get the podcast. So you should never have to miss the show. Thank you very much for the call. I'm going to Steve. Steve, you are on with Monica. How are you doing, Steve? Hey, Monica. How are you today? Good. What's happening? Good. Hey, uh, you know, they could get a donkey with a pink hat. Oh, that's coming. Or a pink donkey. I mean, you know, just for the heck of it. Hey, no, I was wondering, um, I saw some news lately about uh, people like Obama and Holder and the heads of the Democratic Party uh, basically trying to put together a super PAC to try to um, oppose and disrupt and everything, um, you know, leaning on the the idea also of getting Trump in, um, impeached and everything like that too. So, I don't know if you heard anything about the factuality of that or. I actually, or I, that's a very new development. I noticed as I was kind of going through the news this morning a picture of Obama as the leader, and it's funny because the last picture I saw of Obama. He was with, I think, Richard Branson, like some billionaire guy, uh, kite surfing and beating him at kite surfing, which can I, I thought was like a, a tell that he had been practicing kite surfing for years because you can't. That's a hard thing to do for Obama to beat this um, yeah, bon vivant at that. On a bicycle with a little dingling thing, you know. Yes, his, I think that that Obama he may continue to be the figurehead. Uh, I think that's what he was all along. I think he's very powerful like that. I think he's a face job, as they say in Hollywood. And yeah. that, and I'd be surprised if they don't use him for that. But um, now Eric Holder, I think, is is a uh, real operator. But that's what I was saying about these protests is they're, they, the people who are protesting, yes, of course, they're real people. I don't think you have to pay them. I think you can get as many people as you want to show up, especially – when you're talking about the part of the population, I think would be overrepresented who who um, has more free time. Maybe they yeah. work for the government and the government gives them a pass to go out to the protest. That happens. They give them a pass to go vote and, and educate them about voting on off election day votes. You know, there's definitely 
uh, an inherent advantage to the left in this kind of stuff. I was but they're in the not going to squander it. Um, some time back now, I'm retired, but uh, we had um, deployment. Well, they, were, they weren't deploying it. They were testing the EMX missile at uh, Vandenberg Air Force Base, California. And we had um, a group of people that, uh, having spoken to a lot of them, because we had to, you know, detain them and keep them off the base and stuff like that, uh, they they went from one protest to another. And quite literally, they were they come from a nuclear reactor protest up in North California somewhere, and they talked about the ones they'd all been to. And there was a gentleman, and we, we did have this backed up by facts, that uh, had given about $50,000 to house in tents and feed these folks. Yeah, you could call them professional protesters. I don't think you have to write them a check. I think that if you can get people who are already getting a government check, so they have the time, the government will pay, and maybe you do tent them or whatever, but this is a small price to pay for political action. I mean, didn't they say Al Gore gave out... uh, cigarettes to homeless guys to get on the bus and go vote. I mean, you know, at at whatever level your money is effective, when you saw James O'Keefe's, you know, inside videos about how vicious they got, how pre-planned these protests were, how they would actually train people to be disruptive. Yeah, I saw some of those. Yeah, so I think that there's, uh, I think it's naive to think that this stuff isn't, exploited for political purposes. The Tea Party was definitely exploited for political purposes. I I happen to think that it was a a shocking phenomenon that did come from the ground up. Ron Paul is considered the intellectual Tea Party, uh, intellectual godfather of the Tea Party. They've called him that many times. And I think that was real American reaction to how our values are not socialist. And so when Newsweek came out and had a cover after Obama's election that said, we're all socialists now, I mean, that will make you get off the couch in a last gasp attempt to save the American experiment. But uh, but even that, I think, got co-opted. I have got lots of uh, tweets and comments and more good stuff coming up, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. Showers likely Monday with a high forecast of 63 as the work week begins, but that could change. So stay tuned to WSB for weekend weather, brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. We're talking about... The town hall protests, and they uh, seem to have in their sights keeping Obamacare uh, just as it is. So what do you have to say about that? 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to Susan in Smyrna. Hi, Susan. You're on with Monica. Hi. Um, having worked in the healthcare field for the past 30 years, even though I didn't, I don't like everything about Obamacare, one of the things I did like was... Um, forcing the insurance companies to insure people with pre-existing conditions. I don't know if people realize it, but when those people can't get insurance, they automatically go on to our tax dollar because they have no choice. Yeah, you know what used to bother me? I've traveled internationally a few times around when Obamacare was coming up. I, I think I was in Australia and England, and those people have two, or they had at that time, two strong impressions of the United States. One is people get shot every day and that they're left in the gutters 
because if they don't have insurance, the hospital doesn't let them in. But the reality, of course, is that any, the medical care comes first. If you don't have enough money to pay for it, yes, it totally came out of the tax dollar anyway. Exactly. So at least with the insurance companies having to insure these people and everybody being forced to pay some type of premium, we're not bearing 100% of the burden. Whereas when these people just go show up and they have no insurance, we're bearing 100% of the, the burden, and the insurance companies are only getting the cream of the crop. I, I will say a couple of things. First of all, I don't actually think – I don't think it's right to shift, you know, just from a moral perspective, to shift cost around, oh, well, we might as well get it out of the insurance companies. Now, I think the insurance companies, in the end, are likely to benefit, however it gets rejiggered or whatever – by the government mandating that people buy a private product, they are going to get a lot more business. Okay, if it's an awful product it's that loses them money and they are allowed to opt out or go under, it's inevitable that they will benefit or fail. Um, but this is a complicated topic, so let's keep talking about it. After the break, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, uh, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Saturday afternoons, today I'm on until 5.30. Next week I'm on from 3 to 5.30 on Saturday. And I am so excited because right now, to in the last half hour of the show, I have, I almost never have guests, but I make an exception for important local libertarian issues. And the best person to tell us about those is my guest, Catherine Bernard. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Monica, I'm great. Thanks for having me on today. Uh, it's a pleasure. You, can you just give us a, a sentence or two about who you are and what you're up to? I am an attorney who lives in Brookhaven and practices as a public defender around the state, which lets me see Georgia law in action. That's what I take up to the Capitol to check on the bills and see what's getting passed and what's not. It's so when I watch your videos of how you you're so poised and articulate, you know, your stuff. I mean, it's just an amazing combination of qualities and that you use your time and effort and abilities like that to serve us. I'm very grateful for that. And I really love when you come on to tell us I, I wait for this opportunity because I could never keep up on the stuff the way you do. And local issues usually don't get that kind of uh, meticulous attention that they need, because I really feel like that's maybe the most important thing is what happens at the state legislature. And that's what you're keeping an eye on. And I wanted you to tell us, uh, I think, would it be OK to start with just you um, spending this time highlighting the most important uh, legislation that's uh, up this season? Can we do that? 
Absolutely, Monica. One of the things that we should be most concerned about is a new bill that is attempting to legalize no-knock search warrants. A lot of us have heard about those in the case of Katherine Johnston, the woman who was killed in downtown Atlanta by officers breaking into her house on long information about a drug search warrant, or Baby Boo Boo up in North Georgia, whose face was blown off by a grenade again during a no-knock raid. These are extremely dangerous practices. We're talking about a case where there's no arrest warrant. There's no evidence that the person has committed a crime. The police are going into a house looking for evidence of a crime. And what a no-knock search warrant does is it says they don't even have to knock and announce that they're the police before they break down somebody's door in the middle of the night. It's really just against common sense. It's a dangerous practice, and it's actually illegal under Georgia law. So unfortunately, there have been some efforts to try to legalize that to provide coverage for these officers engaging in these dangerous practices. We stopped it in 2015, but it's back again this year, Monica. Well, this is, to me, what I hate about the no-knock rate is it in, it introduces violence into a non-violent situation. And for me, as a libertarian or even just a, a person with common sense, that is the last thing I want my agents in government to do. Well, and it's extremely dangerous. In Georgia, you know, there's a lot of Republicans who are against this. That's how we stopped it back in 2015 by Republicans and Democrats all over the state calling their legislators and saying, absolutely not. But, you know, in Georgia, a lot of people own guns. If somebody enters their home in the yes. middle of the night without announcing themselves, the natural reaction is going to be to shoot back at them. And indeed, that's how a lot of folks have died here in Georgia and in other states. So it really it's just beyond belief that our legislators would again be trying to legalize this dangerous practice. But SB 94, known as Boo Boo's Law after the victim in that North Georgia raid, is being pushed by Senator Vincent Fort and Senator Kurt Thompson. They're both Democrats, so some people think that means there's not much chance the legislation will make it this year. But we all need to be worried. We all need to be contacting our senators, our representatives, and saying, absolutely not. We don't want this dangerous, unconstitutional practice in our communities. I don't know if you remember this, but last spring I was absolutely horrified. Uh, one story was a guy named Ryan Johnson in Henry County. He was, um, you know, there's a domestic violence call. He ended up getting killed. Uh, it didn't seem necessary. I don't know. But then, like a month later, David Powell, uh, people, the police came to his house in uh, the dead of night, wrong address. He came, he was just investigating, had a gun in his hand, and he was killed. I know it wasn't a no-knock raid that was response to a call, but I just think it demonstrates how uh, people, especially in the woods and stuff, they want to defend their homes. They have guns for that reason. They cannot wait for cops to come if they have a problem. And uh, you just do not want to introduce violence into a nonviolent situation, in my opinion. Well Georgia already has a law called defense of habitation saying that if somebody enters your home in a violent and tumultuous manner, you're allowed to respond with violence, with force. So it's really just, again, it's beyond belief that our legislators would consider putting this actual no-knock raid into Georgia law. So we don't want that to happen. We stopped it in 2015. Let's stop it again this year. So well, SB 94, that's one of our action FB94. items. SB 94. Can you just take a quick moment to say uh, if you want to invite people to your events or just to make sure that they know how they can take action now that you've just explained that? What? How can people move forward, keep on top of what you're doing 
Well, they can sign up for my email list, and you can get to that link from my Facebook page. It's Catherine Bernard, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, and you can sign up for my email updates. I let people know about committee hearings that are happening, new taxes, new powers for government, new things that affect your community and your wallet. So please you know, go ahead and sign up for that email update, and I will let you know about events like the one we have coming up on Monday. I'll be speaking to the Georgia Tea Party at the House of Lou, a restaurant on Marietta Square uh, in Marietta. So we'd love to have folks come out. That's at 6.30. And again, that's on the Georgia Tea Party website, georgiateaparty.org. Okay, so that's Monday in Marietta at 6.30. I'll post that on, on my stuff, monicaperezshow.com, my Facebook, and also how to get in touch with you. I just wanted to make sure we got that out, that out there. Uh, while that important law was um, under discussion. Okay, what else you got? Well, there's also some issues on the local government front. I live in Brookhaven, one of our newest cities in the metro area, and there always seems to be something in the news where our government wants more power. And this isn't unique around Georgia. Our friends in Cobb County know, with the new stadium, that government is ready to spend your money, and often in ways that aren't very transparent to the taxpayer. So that's one reason I'm actually excited about one bill that's coming through this year, and that's SB20. That would provide that whenever there's a vote on a new SPLOST or referendum, basically something where government is getting to spend your money, that that vote would have to take place in November. Because oh, that's as you know, great. a lot of these votes, you know, they take place in April and May and June, times when people aren't expecting there to be an election, and we see sometimes turnout that's as low as single digits. So oh, my SB20 by Josh McCoon is able to pass the very least we can have those elections in November when everybody's getting to the polls. And one thing I've noticed about those off-date elections is usually if you work for the government, they'll give you the time off or make sure everybody knows about it so that if it's something that's kind of insidery, they'll, they have the advantage. It's, it's really, um, it subverts the, the process of representative government, I think. So that's a great one. It's definitely tough to get turnout up, and I'll take this opportunity to make a plug for the upcoming April 18th election. For anybody who lives in the 6th District, that's North DeKalb County, Brookhaven, Dunwoody, large parts of Fulton County, Sandy Springs, Roswell, Alpharetta, as well as parts of Cobb County. Since Tom Price was appointed to be Health and Human Services Secretary, we now have an open spot to represent us for the 6th District in Congress. There are 19 candidates qualified for the special election on April 18th, so I'm going to be doing my research and finding out which ones are the best on our rights, on our freedoms, and protecting our community. So, But please do keep in mind, April 18th, if you're in the 6th District, go to the polls, cast your vote for our next congressional representative. I would love to hear your recommendation for that. So if you keep me apprised, I will keep the listeners apprised. I'm looking through all 19 candidates with a fine-tooth comb. Yes, I trust you to do that. So um, are there any other bills or laws that you think we should know about right now? bills, I guess. Well, there's some additional gun-grabbing laws that we do need to be worried about. Everyone's talking about campus carry, which of course is a, a very tough subject for a, a lot of people, but the fact is we have campuses in Georgia, across Georgia, where people, you know, people who are of age to carry a handgun would like to be able to carry their weapon and protect themselves. There's also a constitutional carry bill in the hopper this year uh, that would allow individuals in Georgia who, you know, have not been convicted of any felonies 
to carry a weapon without seeking a permit from their local office. So I urge folks who are concerned about their about their rights, about their right to self-defense, to follow those pieces of legislation very closely. You know, too often this debate gets into a, a matter of, oh, well, you know, won't somebody think of the children? But just in the past week, we've had at least two cases here in Georgia where robberies have been thwarted by people at the store actually shooting back. So we need to be able to deter crime, we need to be able to keep people safe, and we need to have Georgians be able to legally carry a gun for self-defense. Yeah, I think that the facts on that, that there's a lot of disinformation. If you do some serious research on that, I mean, it's overwhelming, at least in this country, that if people have the total right to self-defense, which is their natural right, they... you. I think it's something like two million crimes are stopped with guns and maybe there are a thousand uh, accidental deaths. You know, it's just overwhelming, but it doesn't get much press. Well, exactly. And so, you know, bills like HB 10 that Mary Margaret Oliver from DeKalb County has introduced, you know, they would allow powers for the government to actually, you know, go house to house looking for people's guns. You know, it provides much more expanded powers uh, for people to, you know, who have not turned in rifles that would be illegal under this law. Now, I think the chances of passage are pretty low, but let's keep it that way. Let's stand up for the right to self-defense and safe communities. That's awesome. I really appreciate that you keep us posted on this stuff. I count on you to keep our attention focused on the really important stuff. I feel like uh, that your efforts did thwart those no-knock raids, um, those laws in the past, and I hope you continue to do so because I just feel like that's a super dangerous policy. And uh, and just in closing, anything you know, anything you want, any parting thought you want to give to the listeners? Well, there's some other bills to be worried about, too. You know, the House has just passed a new uh, collection of taxes on Internet purchases for companies that don't have brick-and-mortar stores in Georgia. And it's being sold as, you know, oh, well, this is just fairness for the retailers here in Georgia who, you know, are already paying so much in taxes. But, you know, my message to the Georgia legislature is, why are you charging Georgia retailers so much in taxes? (laughs) Let's truly make ourselves as competitive as possible. And, you know, we've got a Republican-controlled state legislature, a Republican-controlled executive branch. It's time for that limited government conservative political philosophy that we keep hearing so much about. And I I did hear that we just got a record. We just got a record-breaking budget. I've got to uh, take a break and wrap it up. Catherine, thank you so, so much. I'm going to post your stuff. Please tell me anything you want uh, to communicate to the audience about defending our liberties and uh, promoting good laws and stopping bad laws. Thank you so much for being on, Catherine. Thank you, Monica. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Mix of sun and clouds Monday, high of 75, but that could change. So stay tuned to Weekend Weather, brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. I want to thank my special guest, Catherine Bernard, for giving us uh, the heads up on what's going on at the Georgia legislature. I just posted to my Facebook page how to sign up for her emails to keep you posted on what to do, how, when, where. The whole shebang. It's a a vital resource. Very grateful to her. And we had a great conversation about Mike Flynn, the deep state, John Bolton, what's really going on up there in D.C. And if you want to hear that as a podcast, uh, once WSB posts it on maybe Monday, I'll put it on 
PropagandaReportDaily.com as a podcast. Subscribe to podcasts there, and you can get that and lots of other stuff that I uh, produce with my producer, Binkley, and here on WSB, and also for iTunes and YouTube. So next week, I'm on Saturday from 3 to 5.30. Until then, this is Monica Perez.